Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got Graham. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry Connick Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's up and welcome into the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sellerson filling in for Sean Kelly, who is with the Pelicans in Oakland, California, after falling last night to the Golden State Warriors 112 85. Yes, I'm a little sleepy getting back home around 1 a.m. after Pelicans were on national television. It goes a little longer, plus the late start. And unfortunately, wish I had better news for you as the Pelicans again fall last night to Golden State, 112-85. The team will practice today in the Bay Area before leaving this afternoon for Los Angeles, where they'll play the Clippers tomorrow night and the Lakers on Sunday night. It was a rough go for the Pelicans last night. They started off, well, leading after 128-22 and then struggled in the second quarter and couldn't bounce back. They were outscored 31-12 in the second, the 12 points, the lowest in any quarter of the season for the Pels. And once you dig a hole against these Golden State Warriors, you can't get out of it. And before anyone jumps off the deep end, let's let's keep in mind that the Warriors have the best record in the league. They've now won 11 straight games, and uh, the Splash Brothers too much last night. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson combined to score 42 points and shot 8-12 from downtown. But I think the biggest thing from last night was the turnovers. Pelicans turned the ball over 17 times, and the Warriors capitalized with 26 points off those turnovers. And Golden State only had nine turnovers in the game, four in the first half, five in the second half, and the Pelicans could only manage eight points off those turnovers. Of course, the bright side for the Pelicans was Anthony Davis, 30 points, 15 rebounds, three blocks on 14 of 19 shooting. And after the game, he spoke to the media inside the visitors locker room. I mean, we didn't come ready to play. I mean, um, we talked about transition um, yesterday, this morning. We just started talking about, and that's all we were doing, scoring transition, really, you know, and um, kind of got them going. Uh, we kind of lost our man a couple times, you know, and you know it's frustrating, you know, but um, you know, we got to stay together, you know, and try to you know come out this road trip, you know, two and one. Anthony Uro, Turkish Shelves, what does Usher do for you coming into this season compared to last season when you were, when you were playing with Adam? Um, he's a great defender. You know, uh, does a lot for everybody on the team. <coughs> he rebounds, he sets screens for us, get us open. So, um, you know, uh, he helps us on defense. Uh, when our man beats us, he's right there to protect us. So, I mean, he does a lot for the team, and I'm um, happy to have him. 
What happened there in that second quarter? The Warriors didn't really take control of the game at that point. Yeah, I'll kind of get that after that. Sorry about that. Um, scoring the transition. You know, I mean, that's, <clears throat> we wasn't moving the ball, we wasn't sharing the ball, and um, kind of started playing on our own. We just sat together and just you know, said, you know, that's what they want to do. That's what they want us to do is to go out there and, you know, take bad shots and, you know, long rebounds and they get the ball and, you know, Steph, Clay, you know, whoever go down and, and hit threes and um, we'll find their bigs running to the room. You shoot 19 times um, to get a 30. Do you think when you are on fire, you should get more chance to shoot? I don't care about that. <laughs> Is it frustrating that you want a game plan, you got a game plan, talk about what to stop and different things, and then the game comes and gets that the transition baskets? Is that frustrating from the defensive side? Yeah, I mean, we rely on defense. You know, we, we're a defensive-oriented team. And, you know, when we don't play defense, it's frustrating. Like, we don't care about the offense. We know it's going to come. But we got to defend, you know. And um, like I said, we've been talking about transition. And that's how they got going. I mean, like I said, in that first quarter, we was we were real we good, you know, um, not letting them get busted in, in transition, making them play, you know, in the half court. And then that second quarter, they just kind of took off. So I don't want to go into too great of detail. Uh, Jim Eichenhofer has a full recap on Pelicans.com. It wasn't. The prettiest of games, so the Pelicans have a chance to bounce back and still have a winning road trip as, again, they face the Clippers and Lakers this weekend in Los Angeles. Later on in the show, you'll hear Sean Kelly's most extensive visit with the Pelicans head coach, Monty Williams, as you always do on a Friday, which is the day after his show runs on 105.3 WWL-FM. And, of course, we have to talk about the Saints. Big divisional matchup this weekend against the Carolina Panthers, both teams still in the hunt. For the NFC South Division crown, we have the radio voice on of the Saints yesterday, Jim Henderson. And so today it's time to hear from the radio voice of the Panthers, Mick Mixon, who's come on a couple times last year and this year, will be on to talk about the Panthers and the Saints on Sunday and hear his take on what is going on with the Panthers who haven't won a game since October 5th. So uh, for the Saints, hopefully they can capitalize on that. And the Panthers are still trying to stay in that NFC South hunt. So later on, Pelicans head coach Monty Williams. But coming up next, let's go right to Saints Panthers. We'll hear from Mick Mixon. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, The only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Welcome back to the show. It's time now to finish our Saints-Panthers preview for the week. And to cap it off, I welcome in the radio voice of the Panthers, Mick Mixon. Mick, nice to have you on again. Oh, Daniel, thanks. It's a good thing I'm not the face of the Carolina Panthers because it wouldn't be a very good look. It's 
it's been having uh, we've been having a hard time finding things to smile about around here, and and it's going to be a tough matchup Sunday as the Panthers try to at least figure out if they can win one in a row against the Saints. Yeah, that brings me to my first question. They haven't won a game since October 5th, but they do sit just a game and a half out of the NFC South with a record of three eight and win three eight and one. So, what is the mood like around Panthers camp right now, Mick? I think the, a big part of the mood, Daniel, is 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 just let's let's just put this NFC South still in the race talk, and you know, with all due respect to the premise of your question, because it is titillating that the the Panthers are not mathematically eliminated even with all our struggles. But until the Panthers figure out how to put all three phases of the game together in the same game, uh, it, it's almost an insult to to the intellectual intelligence of any kind of Panther fan to to, to wave that that cookie around. I think that. Uh, the Panthers have – the frustrating thing is that it hasn't just been one thing. If it was injuries in the O-line, if it was just Cam's mechanics, it was just, just uh, getting creased in the run game on defense, bad run fit, uh, special teams. If it were just one thing, it would be much easier to fix. But the Panthers have a constellation of, of ills right now. And, and then and now we roll into the Superdome where the Saints look like they've figured out some things here late in the year. So you mentioned a lot of things have gone wrong. What has gone wrong for the Panthers? What have you noticed that they're not doing well in these last couple months? Well, I mentioned some of them already. The the big problem that Carolina has had this year has been the continuity in the O-line. I mean, it's not sexy to talk about, but as as you know, and I'm sure you counsel your audience, NFL teams, most of them go about as far as as their O-lines, and then, of course, the quarterbacks can take them. And in the Panthers' case, we started training camp not really sure who the left tackle was going to be. Byron Bell and Nate Chandler were minted as the two tackles for this year, but when the Panthers started training camp in Spartanburg in late July, uh, they was not sure who was going to be on the left side and who was going to be on the right side, and, and Carolina still has not really recovered from from that kind of weak and shifting foundation that this offensive line has been built upon. Ryan Khalil is all-world at center. The Panthers have potential at guards in Trey Turner, Chris Scott, Amini Silatolu. Uh, the tackles have been problematic. We've run a whole bunch of different guys in there. So as a result, it's the whole brick-in-the-wall thing. Cam Newton has been under duress. His mechanics have slipped. Uh, receivers have not caught balls when they've been open. There have been too many drops. And then we have some special teams issues as well. Also, let's look at the running game. Both D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart have been hurt, too, so no consistency in the running game. Combine that with the uh, offensive line, you say struggles. Has that been the biggest problem on the offensive uh, end for the Panthers? It's been one problem because the Panthers like to, to, to run the football. That's the stated goal up here is to, to run the pass, uh, take some vertical shots in the passing game. But how can play action work if – if action is not working, if you're not able to really run the ball, teams haven't respected the play fake, and they're, they're just coming hard at Cam Newton from a lot of different angles. Cam Newton is gamely soldiered on, but he's <clears throat> he's had a hurt ankle, he's had hurt ribs, he's had his right thumb taped all year. So he just hadn't had the juice to really get out of trouble and prolong the play like he has had when he was a, a bit of a younger man his first two years in the NFL. Let's focus in now on the defense. They're ranked 17th in total defense compared to last season where they finished second best in the NFL. What has changed? Why the major drop-off in Carolina? Well, no Greg Hardy and no Frank Alexander. Mm -hmm. uh, those two bookend ends, particularly Hardy. I mean, Hardy was the guy that other teams had to game plan for. You had to account for him in your offensive planning. You'd see a back <clears throat> hanging in there to <coughs> – 
excuse me, down. You see, you see a back coming in, hanging in there to chip away at Hardy. Uh, tight ends over to his side. Without him, now opposing offenses have been able to single up other blockers and other pass rushers. And and then Frank Alexander on the other side with not one but two performance-enhancing drug positive tests. So he's been out. So it really starts there um, because of the the pass rush not being what it's been. Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis have gotten frustrated. They're trying to get into gaps and trying to be even better than they really are, trying to take care of their responsibility plus someone else's responsibility, and the Panthers have been hurt by uh, cutback runs this year. We're talking with Mick Mixon, the radio voice of the Carolina Panthers, Saints and Panthers at noon on Sunday in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. All right, Mick, so what are a couple things the Panthers have to do to New to leave New Orleans with a win on Sunday afternoon? Well, probably maybe get a uh, if if Drew Brees could oversleep or his uh, his iPhone would would not wake him up um, something I don't know what but maybe he'd get in a big traffic jam on the way to the stadium that would help. Okay. Uh, the Panthers do have a couple of corners who are on the come, and they've been Wickery and Josh Norman have have played pretty good football lately, particularly Josh Norman who has the cover skills. And he's gotten a little more sound in his technique. And so I think the Panthers have a chance to at least try to cover some of the Saints receivers in the passing game. And then everybody says this. I mean, you got to be careful how you rush Drew Brees. But you can't just sit back. You can't just rush three, drop eight, rush four, drop seven. I mean, it'll just be like Pascal for him. So I think the Panthers have to try to get to him, maybe dial up a couple of exotic blitzes and at least get him thinking about the idea that the Panthers might sack him. All right, Mick, before I let you go, I've been trying to get the opinion of a lot of people. This thing has come up, uh, this topic has come up as far as the NFC South, the division, a team could win it with a losing record. We saw the Pan- the Seahawks do it a few years ago and then end up beating the Saints uh, at home. Do you think the NFL should look at uh, changing the way they go as far as playoff seating, where even if you have a losing record, you still get, as long as you win your division, you get a home game? Or are things fine the way they are and it's just a circumstance where a team, a division is a little weaker this year? Oh, things are fine the way they are. Good gracious. <clears throat> the NFL is big daddy, King Kong, uh, off the charts popularity. Just don't mess with it because it's not broken. I mean, it's part of the allure of the game is, is you play the games that are on your schedule. You play, you win the division that you're in. And everybody, I'm sure, has talked to you about the NFC West where uh, it was the dog division of a few years ago. Seattle wins it at 7-9, and but they win a playoff game. And let me see if I can think, who did they beat that year? Oh, yeah, the New Orleans Saints. Yep. Uh, the Saints prove that they're a, a franchise that's 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 that can win championships. Seattle goes on and wins a championship, and and so who really cares? I mean, you, the Panthers would gladly hang a banner if Carolina could win the division at five eight and one. We'd hang a banner and have a ticker tape parade down Mint Street. Fair enough. That's Mick Mixon, the radio voice of the Carolina Panthers. Mick, safe travels down here this weekend. It's supposed to be a beautiful weekend, so I hope you can enjoy your time down here. I appreciate that. Yeah, looking forward to it. And tell Henderson to come see us in the press box. Will do. That's McMixon, radio voice of the Carolina Panthers. When we come back, we'll turn our attention back to basketball here from Pelicans head coach Monty Williams. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
Give the gift of Pelicans basketball this holiday season with the Pelicans Holiday Pack, presented by Adidas. This package includes a ticket to see the Pelicans take on the Lakers and Bulls and starts as low as $45. Plus, if you're one of the first 250 orders, you'll score a $20 gift card to the Pelican Shop by Adidas, located at the Smoothie King Center. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your Pelicans Holiday Pack today. Ho, ho, ho! Lotto is all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. This is Pelicans head coach, Monty Williams, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the show. Our thanks to McMixon for joining us on the show. Preview Saints and Panthers. It's time to turn our attention back to the Pelicans. As unfortunately, again, a loss last night to the Warriors, 112-85. to But as we always do on Friday, I want to show, I want to not show you. This is the radio. I can't show you anything. But I want to play you back uh sean kelly's visit with head coach monty williams he always he always has a couple segments with him on his coach's show that airs on thursday night and it's his most extensive visit with the coach so a lot of things you hear here you won't hear in front of the normal media so i wanted to play the first segment for you here and then the next segment will play the second part of it so right now here's sean kelly with head coach monty williams coach i know you said right before the season started you'd like about i don't know 20 or so games to really start to learn about your team and we're not we're not there yet but one thing that starts to seem very clear now is that when your team plays a certain style, it directly relates to your wins and your losses. Yeah, when we, we get after teams, get stops, and, and sometimes the defensive scheme is executed perfectly, sometimes it's not, but we just we play with such great force on the defensive end, and then we can get out and run. And we have a number of guys who can attack the basket and knock down shots when we're playing in transition. And, you know, that's that's our style. And then when we need to down the stretch, uh, we have guys like Tyreek and Anthony and Drew who can create their own shots. And then Ryan spaces the floor. So we have a few guys that can play half-court basketball. But we're much better when we're playing in transition after we're getting stops. Coach, it's hard work to play that way. But is it fun, too? It is fun. I think the fans love it. Our guys like to play that way. I think there has to be... Uh, a shared discipline that we all have to have and that discipline is we got to play hard every possession and we have to get stops when we can get stops and we play harder than anybody in the NBA I think it wears teams down it's fun for us fun for our city and I know our guys love playing that way which of your players do you think sets that tone best because sometimes it takes that guy yeah AD does you know he's you look at the stat sheet he has steals he has block shots he has rebounds we're not even talking about his point totals, but he does all the hustle stuff. He distracts a lot of shots. You know, he had a two-on-one fast break in the OKC game. He makes the right play to Tyreek. You know, he sets the tone, and he, he always makes the right play, and I think that's contagious. Um, he could take 30 shots if he wanted to every game. He doesn't do that, and I think there's a trickle-down effect that's going to take place on our team this year when everybody gets it, and I think that's when we're going to see us take a big, big step in our program. Coach, I think it's, it's hard sometimes for folks, and, and I'm included in this, 
when your guy that sets that tone as the leader of the team, clearly everything circles around him, is not the point guard, it seems a little bit different or it takes some getting used to almost. Well, I think we've been trying to groom Anthony for a role that we think he's capable of having. It's not that Drew is not a leader. Drew is, he and AD are the captains of our team. They're, they're pretty strong voices on our squad, but I think it's special when your best player is the leader. Not many teams can say that. You know, a lot of teams have a high-level player, but he's not the leader of the team. Uh, it's usually a role player or maybe a third or fourth guy. Uh, we have a situation where the best player on the team is the leader. He's the captain. Uh, he's the voice. And I think it's a role that he's not 100% comfortable with right at this point. But every so often you see a little more growth and you see the guys on the team embracing him as such. I'm glad you brought up Drew Holiday because he's been very consistent here of late. And it sure is fun to watch Holiday and Davis on the floor together. Do you track their minutes played together more so than just their minutes period? Yeah, I try to get those two in the game. Um, it gives us a great defensive presence, gives us a one-two punch and pick and roll. And Drew, he sets the tone in a different way. I mean, not many guys at his size can get all over the ball and guard a man for 94 feet or in a half-court set and totally take him out. So I, I've reiterated that to our team. Don't take what he does for granted. Not many guys in the NBA can do that night in and night out. And, you know, you like to keep those guys in the game together. You can throw Tyreek in that group as well. When those three are on the floor at the same time, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, they, they have the ability to cause a lot of havoc on both ends of the floor. And so that, that gives us three guys that can play in both, all three facets of the game, offense, defense, and transition. Can you imagine what Holiday would be like if he played under the set of rules you played in in the NBA? Yeah, he would He would probably be a lot like Derek Harper, but more athletic. Derek was a big, strong guy with strong arms and strong hands. But Drew is like that, but he's, he's a ton more athletic than Derek was. But they have the same kind of game. Derek was a scoring guard, could knock down jump shots, tough as nails. And he was probably one of the best hand checkers I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I just go back to those the finals when he played against Sam Cassell. Like, Sam Cassell couldn't do anything because Derek had his hands on his hips all the way up and down the floor. And unfortunately, the league took that out of play because that's how guys like me were able to survive in the NBA by beating people up. I think I kind of liked it that way back then, too, though. I did, too. I, I think the game was, uh, it was physical without getting uh, chaotic. And you had to be a man to play in the NBA. Uh, that's what I liked about the game. Uh, 15, 20 years ago, you couldn't be a young boy and come into the league. It was a lot like football. Uh, you weren't going to step out of college and just, unless you were a special player, and just acclimate because the game was so physical back then. Okay, as promised, part two of this interview is yours next. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Give the gift of Pelicans basketball this holiday season with the Pelicans Holiday Pack, presented by Adidas. This package includes a ticket to see the Pelicans take on the Lakers and Bulls and starts as low as $45. Plus, if you're one of the first 250 orders, you'll score a $20 gift card to the Pelicans shop by Adidas, located at the Smoothie King Center. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your Pelicans Holiday Pack today. Ho, ho, ho! 
Lotto is all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City, to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state, and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the show. As promised, here's Sean Kelly's part two interview with Pelicans head coach Monty Williams. Keep in mind, this was recorded on the airplane Wednesday on the way to Golden State, so some of it might be a little bit dated, but most of it is not. So here is Sean Kelly's part two interview with the head coach. Coach, we've uh, had this ongoing conversation about your three guard or your uh, small forward position. We're just that fifth starter right now. You tried Luke Babbitt the other night. You seemed after the game to like some of the things that were involved. And I know this is going to be a, an ongoing process with that, whether it be personnel or otherwise, but if you were to just take that one one spot and what you need from it, where's the where's the connect and where's the disconnect? Well, the thing that you need from every position, but especially the three position, is a guy that can compete in every facet of the game. The three small forward in the NBA is a position that, does just about everything. You're going to play in pick and roll defense. You're going to be in lock and trail defense. You're going to have to guard multiple positions. And the really good ones are able to space the floor and attack the basket when they need to. Uh, you got to be able to handle the ball. Uh, it's the one position that covers almost every area. You can play post defense. Uh, you can switch on defenses or in defenses. And for us, um, we're not asking for all of that. But what we do need is a guy that can compete every single night have the ability to rebound his position, not out of his area, and also be able to space the floor. And I think this, the last one, spacing the floor, gives us so much comfort when you have guys like Tyreek and Drew and AD who need that space to do their thing. I have fans ask me this question, and I'm not sure I know the best way to answer it. I think I give them a pretty good idea about spacing and whatnot. But in your system, how much space is good enough? What space does to each side of the floor? Can you help them understand that? Sure. Like the way we we look at it from a number of avenues or point points of view. When we post up Anthony, we need guys on the floor that can keep teams from playing five on four. And so, if we put a guy in the corner that can shoot the ball, and we have a guy on the opposite wing when Anthony's in the post, and we have a guy at the top of the key, and then you have a big down in the dunker spot, which is about five feet off of the opposite block of Anthony. If you have guys that can shoot the ball and space the floor, that gives Anthony room to operate. And even when they double team, if you have guys who can space the floor, when teams double, it causes longer rotations. If you don't have guys who can space the floor on a double team, it's a short rotation, and you end up in what we call green situations where you're getting a lot of late shot clock violations or close to shot clock violations. In pick and roll, it's the same thing. Uh, Most teams run pick and roll to commit two guys to the ball. And if you have guys that can space the floor and you have a dynamic diver like AD, those guys who are in the corner spacing the floor make it hard for their man to get to AD. And if they do get to AD because of their ability to shoot the ball, it's a longer rotation and we're able to skip the ball to those guys and they can knock down shots. Great explanation. Let's talk about the rest of your roster. Depth has been a little bit of an issue at times for you here through the first 12 or 13. It's nice to see a guy like John Salmons all of a sudden now 
give you some productive minutes. How's that come about? I think what people have to understand about John, uh, he had games in Atlanta and Washington where he scored the ball, but where he really helps us is his savvy and his IQ on the floor. When we watch film after the game, John is nine times out of ten in the right spot every single time on defense and offense. He's been in a number of basketball battles, and he understands how to play the game. He's got a high IQ. Uh, one thing John does that helps our staff is he asks a lot of questions, and it helps our guys talk on the floor. Uh, now he's not perfect, but I, I tell you what, you, you'd be hard-pressed to find John in the wrong spot. He's usually in the right spot, making the right help. Um, doesn't have the legs that he used to have, so he uses his brain um, a lot more than he probably did earlier in his career. And we value what he does on the floor immensely. Coach, you've described him as a quiet leader. You got the quiet part right, that's for sure. On the leadership front, can you think of a story or something that he's helped your younger guys away from kind of what you just said, but more about maybe this how do we become a better team? Yeah, we had a, a team meeting, um, as we do two, three times a week, where we watch film and talk about our team. And John spoke up one day and talked about, you know, we have to define our identity as a team. And guys have to know what that is and, and do that every single game. And it spoke volumes of who he is. He's only been with us uh, a couple months now and having an understanding from different teams that he's been on, all the good teams have an identity. And he spoke about San Antonio. He's like, he said, you know exactly what you're gonna get every time you play against San Antonio. And all the good teams have that. And he expressed that to the guys and, and it, it stuck with him. And ever since then, I've been talking about that, our identity, who we are. And number one for us, that's just playing hard every single game, playing with force, outworking your opponent, uh, and the defensive end becomes a lot easier when you do that. And so John's been able to do some things on our team that the fans may never see, may never hear about it unless we talk about it, but it certainly helps our team. You mentioned the work aspect of it, getting after your opponent. Other than that, though, do you, do you think your guys know the identity yet? Or if they don't, how far away are they? Do they know what? I'm sorry. Do they, do they know what they want that identity to be? Yeah off of what you just said? Well, I think they, they see it when we do it, and then we show it, and then they, they relate to it. Uh, some people think they're playing hard until we show them that they're not. And then when we show them what it really looks like and they see the success, uh, when you see Anthony Davis block a shot then beat everybody down the floor and dunk the ball, we can point to the film and say, that's what we're talking about. When you see Drew Holiday press over a pick and roll, stay in front of his man, beat him to the rim and block his shot, get the rebound and go coast to coast. That's the kind of stuff that our guys relate to. When we played against Sacramento in SAC and you watch Ryan Anderson uh, fronting, which we call white, DeMarcus Cousins in the post and frustrate him, that's the kind of effort and force that we are capable of playing with. Omir does the same thing. He's in pick and roll defense, he stops the ball, gets back to his man, rebounds the ball, outlets, goes down to the other end on offense, sets a great screen and frees somebody up to take a shot. Those are the kinds of plays that allow us to look at the film and say, you think you're playing hard? Okay, I'll show you what it looks like. And then they see guys doing that and I'm like, that's what we need from you every single night. And I think once our guys get that, we're not yet there yet, but we're getting 
to the point where it's becoming a lifestyle and not a diet. When we get to the point where it's a lifestyle, we're going to see our team take a big, big punch and, and probably win a bunch of games in a row. I was going to say, something tells me that when you show them the good side of that, I bet you it's from a winning game. It is, usually from a winning game. But I tell you what, we lost a game in Washington, and um, we held them to 83 points. Unfortunately, we only scored 80. But we had a lot of clips in that game on defense where we were able to teach off of a loss. And I think as a coach, you have to be able to do that. Um, you have to be able to show positive things from a loss to reinforce good habits that you want to want repeated. And so we've, we've been able to do it, but you're right. Most of the time it's from a win because um, there's always a, le there's a lesson in every aspect of basketball, whether you win or lose, and we try to take advantage of all of it. And quick programming note, we'll have one more Monty Williams show next week, and then we're on a three-week hiatus as on December 18th the Pelicans play the Houston Rockets, so no show then. Then the next Thursday is Christmas, and then the next Thursday is New Year's Day, so no shows for the next three weeks after next Thursday. And, of course, you can hear Pelicans vs. Clippers tomorrow night at 9.30 on the Pelicans Radio Network. When we come back, I'll wrap up the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Be at the Smoothie King Center to see your New Orleans Pelicans take flight on Tuesday, December 9th at 7 p.m. when the New York Knicks come to town. Plus, the first 5,000 fans receive a free through holiday poster. The Pelicans Fest pregame block party tips off the fun at 5.30 with music, inflatable games for the kids, appearances by Pierre the Pelican, and a whole lot more. Tickets start as low as $18. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your seats today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the show. About to wrap things up from Studio B. But before I do, actually, some news coming out of Pelicans camp. As the Pelicans assigned rookie Russ Smith to the Fort Wayne Mad Ants of the NBA Development League. Smith appeared at three games for the Pelicans in the regular season and five, or excuse me, six in the preseason. He averaged five points, 1.2 assists in those preseason games. Remember, he was a second-round pick. For the Pelicans out of Louisville, they acquired him via trade. So he'll go down to the D-League. I wouldn't say go down. He's going to the D-League to get some playing time, get some work in, and then hopefully he'll be back with the Pelicans pretty soon. Um, so that's some Pelicans news for you. You can get plenty more on Pelicans.com. And uh, speaking of the Pelicans, two more games this weekend for them. They faced the Clippers on Saturday, 9.30 Central, and Sunday night against the Lakers on 8.30 Central. You can hear both those games on 105.3 WWL-FM and the Pelicans Radio Network plus the Pelicans mobile app if you're in the greater New Orleans area. And speaking of the mobile app, don't forget to play Quest for the Coast presented by Chevron. It's such a, a fun game. There was a media challenge for the game yesterday in the media room, and I was lucky enough to participate um, against other um, local media members. And unfortunately... Could not bring home the crown for the Black and Blue Report. Fell in the semifinals 
had a pretty good run. Congratulations to Garland of Fox 8 on the big win. Uh, but again, I fell in the semifinals, but still had a lot of fun. And uh, the game is a lot of fun. So go ahead and check that out. And also, don't forget to check out NewOrleansSaints.com all weekend. And on game day, as John DeShazer will have your coverage. Uh, live tweeting during the game. We'll have a pregame report. We'll have a postgame report. And you'll also hear from head coach Sean Payton and Drew Brees in the locker room after the game. So plenty of coverage on NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com this weekend. I'll be back hosting on Monday, and I hope to be talking about a Saints win and a couple Pelicans wins. And that will do it for today's show. Hope everyone has a fantastic weekend. Supposed to have be some beautiful weather. So enjoy that and enjoy all the football, college football on Saturday. And also tonight as well, Pac-12 championship tonight. And also all the NFL action on Sunday. So again, I'll be back on Monday, hopefully recapping some wins. And enjoy this beautiful weekend. I'm Daniel Salerson. And until Monday, thanks for listening to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report. Thank you.